0: Welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy Rewatch Podcast. I'm Cara Babcock, pronouns she, her.
1: And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning.
0: This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too.
1: During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on how Buffy has matured since its premiere in 1997.
0: Thanks for listening!
1: Now, on to the episode
0: Season 1, Episode 10 Nightmares. This is the first, but not the last time, that Buffy the Vampire Slayer dives into the realm of dreams. There's going to be a few more episodes in the seasons to come where dreams become reality, reality becomes dreams, the lines are blurred. Um, So it'll be interesting as we get to those episodes, looking back and comparing them with this one. This one, you know, being the only one we have so far, to me, I enjoyed this episode, but it also feels super 90s.
1: Yeah, it is quite dated for sure. Uh, And uh, yeah, any fan coming into Buffy or who is aware of the series of Buffy knows that nightmares slash dreams, these themes are really big in this series. And they mean a lot, especially if they're Buffy's dreams or Buffy's Mm -hmm. nightmares.
0: Which is what we see with the opening scene in this episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But you know, what's so interesting is, uh, and I've said this many times, a lot of these episodes in season one, I'm not familiar with. So here's mm-hmm. an episode, Nightmares. I'm I'm once again going in like I'm a new watcher because mm-hmm. I do not remember. So yeah, we open up with Buffy in the Master's Cave and we know it's the Master's Cave because of all the candles.
0: <laughs> yes. So my thought about this is Buffy finally realized that the way she can track down the Master is just by asking around at the candle shops in town, right? Because... There must be a store or multiple stores where the master's lackeys are like (laughs) buying up all the candles all the time. So Buffy really just has to go to all the candle shops and be like, who's buying all your candles? And that's how she's going to track them down.
1: Like she just followed the candlelight down the hole into the master's cave. Uh, Buffy is on the hunt. She's got her steak. She's wearing her shiny leather pants. She's ready to slay this guy. The master's in there and he comes up behind her. And uh, she first like she backs away in fear and she drops her steak. He grabs her by the neck. And it looks like he's just about to bite her when Buffy screams no. And then her mom is waking her up. She's in bed, and her mom's saying it's time for school. So that was our first nightmare.
0: Right. And also, it, this must be a prophecy dream of Buffy's. Like, we know since the first episode that she dreams about things that haven't happened, that might happen, because Buffy hasn't met the Master yet. She doesn't know about the lair, like you pointed out. She d- She hasn't seen the Master face-to-face yet. So for her to be dreaming about him... This must be some kind of premonition because she hasn't interacted with the master enough to know that's how he would act around her. So this, mm-hmm. the mystical forces, are sending her a message here.
1: Yeah, I-, I thought the exact same thing because I was like, Buffy doesn't know what he looks like mm-hmm. unless you know in a deleted scene somewhere, but Angel explained like that he's got like this like <laughs> Angel like old... <laughs> sketches
0: him out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh so anyway buffy's mom wakes her up and she's getting ready for school and we're told that buffy's dad is coming for the weekend and we cut to school and buffy tells is telling willow in the hallway that her dad is still living in la and he only comes down for weekends once in a while and her parents had separated before the divorce But the divorce was finalized in the previous year. This doesn't quite line up with what the movie told us. (laughs) When if you watch uh, the Buffy the movie, but you know what, a lot of things don't line up because it was a completely different Buffy in that movie. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Willow sympathizes with her and is listening to her. And Buffy just says it's hard. And she never asked why they broke up. But we can tell that Buffy thinks it's her fault. It's her, her fault and her slaying, perhaps, that caused the decay in that marriage. And this is a really real conversation to be having in the very first scene of an episode. Like, this yes. is getting down to, like, really realistic, like, our reality kind of conversations, you know? Well,
0: and that's something that Buffy is so good at as a TV show. Like, yes, it's a supernatural horror show that has vampires and demons and stuff, but... The issues of Buffy are always real human issues. And in these first couple of seasons, because Buffy and her friends are in high school, they're very much like teenage angst high school issues. And then once they leave high school and they go off into the world outside of high school, the issues grow with them and they get more adult. And to me, that is one of the charms of this series. So yeah, for Buffy, the show to tackle this by having buffy the character talk about her feelings around her parents splitting up i think it's it's good like it's it's nice because think about like the teenagers at at this time who might be going through that who maybe wouldn't watch a more like typically angsty show on tv right they're like (laughs) i'm too cool for that or they're just they're a little too nerdy for that kind of stuff you know but they're drawn to buffy so this is, this is Buffy's way of kind of, like, giving you something, like, a little taste of fantasy to help the teenage medicine go down.
1: A spoonful of sugar, perhaps. Uh, and that's the thing, too, is, like, like you're saying, like, when they bring it to this, like, realistic conversation, now I'm relating to Buffy more than ever, right? Like, I'm sure we could find things in in the past nine episodes that we related to and loved and could understand about Buffy, but I think just actually adds just a whole other layer of realism. She's becoming more third-dimensional, is that the word?
0: Three-dimensional, yeah. (laughs)
1: Three, fuck, (laughs) three-dimensional. And um, just in this really short conversation, we get the impression that she truly believes she's the reason her parents broke up like around her slaying the same time like they coincide and that just adds another layer to this burden that buffy's carrying around the fact that not only is she the slayer and she has this destiny Mm -hmm. but oh god i i think i broke up my parents
0: well it's also the beginning it's one of the roots of a belief that we see her starting to form with the, the previous episode angel that she can't have good relationships She can't have good family relationships. She can't have good romantic relationships. Maybe she can't have good friendships. This is going to be a fear that drives and dogs Buffy for this entire series. And there are moments when we see her actually give in to that fear. And it's Mm -hmm. scary for us as the audience to watch her go to those dark places. But yeah, like you said, this is the show showing us this very real aspect of Buffy that makes her more three-dimensional and more relatable. And it's setting up the groundwork for Buffy's entire psychology as a character.
1: Nightmares episode 10 is not fucking around. Like they're getting
0: to... <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think there's a... The core. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a danger to dismiss this episode because it is so strange in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would like to talk about that a little bit more towards the end of the episode once we've kind of recapped what what goes down uh so let's get into it and then i would love to talk more about why this episode is actually far more important than we maybe give it credit for
1: for sure and it's surprisingly so to be honest so we'll we'll get to it uh we're in class and you know we're talking about all you and i just went really deep into the psychology of buffy but here's cordelia here's our little breath of fresh air cordelia and she's looking at herself in her compact mirror and a man named wendell is standing in her light like screw this guy right so she tells him to move and calls him a doofus and This is when Xander jumps in and defends Wendell and says Cordelia is the center of the universe and the rest of us merely revolve around her. And she says, revolve out of my life. So this is just one case where I'll give Xander a bit of the green light here in another situation where he's taunting Cordelia, where he's being mean to Cordelia, but Cordelia was being really rude for no reason. So in this one case... I don't think she needed to be like that to Wendell. Therefore, it's okay for Xander to come to his defense. That's how I see it. (laughs) Okay. Buffy and Willow come, and apparently their homework was active listening. And I don't know what that means, but Xander claims he he knew that that was the homework because the teacher he remembers what the teacher was wearing when she said that was the homework. Well,
0: he doesn't initially remember (laughs) what that means. It's Buffy who defines it. And then she's like, you volunteered to demonstrate it yesterday. And he's like, I don't remember this. (laughs) <laughs> and she's like, oh, you know, the teacher was wearing that tight sweater. And then it clicks for Xander, He's like, which uh, I yes. wrote down as, Xander, why are you so pervy?
1: <laughs> Xander, so. the perviest of pervs. I think we got a little bit of a of a break from that the last episode or two, perhaps, just a little bit. Or maybe well, Sid the only dummy. only <laughs> because
0: we replaced him with a horny yeah. dummy, so... <laughs> No, um, let's not. And yeah, you were so willing to give Xander points like not 30 seconds ago. Yes, he's back to his pervy ways. Yeah, Um,
1: I know. I know. I I, I, and that's the thing too. It's so hard because we've said it before. We want to like Xander. We do. so that's why i was like okay xander i'll allow you to to defend wendell when cordelia is being a bitch but now i'm right back onto the boat of being like fuck you
0: (laughs) it's a roller coaster
1: it is it's a slippery slide uh what happens next is they all sit down and buffy drops her pencil and when she drops her pencil she looks over and there is a boy like a a young boy standing by the door watching her very strange because it's a high school you know and that's when wendell (laughs) our new best friend wendell opens up his textbook and a bunch of tarantulas crawl out of it and surround him and the boy at the door says sorry about that (laughs) and wendell's freaking out all the students are running out of the classroom the spiders are crawling all over wendell who's screaming for help cut to credits uh the next scene is the master in his cave talking to colin the anointed one (laughs) And, That's all they
0: seem to be doing, right? Like it's just the Master and Colin show. Yes. Is is the Anointed One just the fancy name for you're going to keep me company because I'm trapped in this cave?
1: Yeah, you're my like pet. <laughs> Although I do feel like it's the op- the other way around. I feel like often it's uh, is is the Master Colin's pet. Like I'm confused, <laughs> you know. So anyway, the Master is teaching Colin about fear. And he's saying fear is the most powerful force in the world, as opposed to love or hate. He says we are defined by things that we fear. And as he's talking, it pans out and we see that there's a giant cross in the cave. And he's saying, you know, I'm afraid of it. Um, When I see this cross, it fills me with mortal dread. And then he reaches out and he touches it. His hand starts burning. And he says he could control his fear and if he can face it it cannot master him so my first question is why did he build the cross <laughs> just to master his yeah, fear so to be part of this thing
0: this is a very machiavellian view of fear which is interesting to me because if i have my chronology right i think the master might have been a contemporary of Niccolo mm. machiavelli um, obviously the master was german and uh, machiavelli was italian but he could have read machiavelli in the original italian (laughs) maybe and famously machiavelli in um his his most famous text the prince says you know for for a ruler to be successful a ruler should should rule his subjects through love or through fear right like your subjects should either love and respect you or they should fear you and a great deal of the prince is this meditation on well which one actually works better which one is more reliable um so the master has clearly come down on the side of fear right he's saying i don't care if people love me i only care if people fear me we've seen that in his ruling style his management style which we've discussed and mocked earlier (laughs) in earlier episodes (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah i think the master clearly intentionally built across there as a way of challenging himself and perhaps challenging the other vampires who serve him Mm. right because it's this it's a symbol that they fear and for him to like performatively show the way that he can push down his fear and touch this symbol that physically harms him that gives him power over his minions right because they're not willing to do that
1: right right he's a very tactile hands-on kind of instructor <laughs> that way <laughs> so.
0: yeah so and we, we see him lecturing lecturing the anointed one that way right he's trying right. to make it clear that Fear is not something that you can allow to control you, because if you do, then you're lost. So really, the master is just setting up the theme of this episode, and that's going to come back towards the end.
1: Well, the master does say he senses something new is happening above, and there's a new powerful psychic force. Something is going to change for the worst, and then he just falls short of going, Yeah, the
0: evil laugh is definitely implied.
1: <laughs> Buffy's mom is dropping her off at school. She says that Buffy was yelling in her sleep, and she was having nightmares the night before, and it's just very clear that Buffy's really anxious and worried that her father isn't going to show up, and that you know she forgot her bet her overnight weekend bag at home, and now they got to go back and get it, like oh all these things. So her father's coming from LA to spend the weekend with her. Are they staying in a hotel? Like, why would she need an overnight bag? Is my question. Like where are they going? Anyway, that that's never explained. But Buffy is so anxious about this that even her mom, who's quite clueless to this stuff, <laughs> picks up on it. She's just like, you know, Buffy, like your father loves you. He adores you. Not more than me, but, you know, he's gonna come. Like don't worry about it. And I I do like when it's depicted that parents, as much as they're divorced and they're having their own issues they're not showing that in front of their kids
0: Mm -hmm. right they're just like
1: you know your father loves you she could have been like your father's a piece of shit but instead (laughs) like he will forget about you but instead she was like no absolutely not he loves you
0: yeah buffy's mom is doing a good job of parenting here uh her parenting skills have improved by leaps and bounds since episode (laughs) one good job
1: yeah yeah. Uh, these uh these school drop-offs are getting better (laughs) um so Xander and Willow um, are there in the hallway with Buffy and uh, they ask her if she talked to Giles about the spider incident uh, and apparently Willow has arachnophobia and she Willow does say and I'm going to point this out and this is not a spoiler but she says what do they need all those legs for anyway and that is a very similar to a, a lyric of a song that will be important later on in the show
0: (laughs) okay i know what you're talking about (laughs) i
1: caught on to it i hope others caught on to it too
0: i yeah i well i didn't i didn't catch on to that when when until you've pointed it out i'm not sure how intentional Mm. that is um i think there's another line coming up that's also pretty significant um but yeah so this is the scene where xander very like like he like runs his hands up willow's back and is like oh this he's like playing it off he's not being sympathetic with her arachnophobia Mm -hmm. and he's like She's like, it's not funny, and he's like, it's funny if you're me, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Xander, that's the whole problem with you.
1: That's the point, Xander. <laughs> Imagine coming that close to the point and missing it completely. <laughs> Classic,
0: Xander. If you could just come on our podcast, we're just gonna like spin you around so hard you set your head on
1: please. Uh, After that, he does sum it up that, you know, we're on a hellmouth. So maybe spiders and books are just part of the norm. And just think back to the pilot or to the second episode, where Xander and Willow saw their first vampire, they had their first friend murder, (laughs) like, they they were so new, and they're like, overwhelmed with the life here, right? But now we're episode 10. Xander basically says, hey, if there's a problem, like, you'll slay it and we'll party. And that's the way it's gonna go so it's interesting how they're falling into a, a comfortable pattern on this hell mouth and xander's pretty confident that whatever comes their way buffy's gonna take care of it
0: yeah easy for xander to say when he literally does nothing most of <laughs> yeah the time. seriously
1: when he like yeah the stakes are so low for him and all he cares about is you know when will buffy think about him the way he thinks about her where buffy's like saving the world every other day and her boyfriend's a vampire <laughs> and her dad might not show up like everyone's got problems but Xander but i just thought it was interesting like he's so like nonchalant about situations in this episode so they go to the library and they're looking for Giles who comes running out of the back room looking really delirious and he says he he got lost and it's like that's a weird thing to say cuz like what is it just one room back there like what's going on uh i think when he came out he looked more suspicious than than anything I personally thought that he was gonna be back there with Miss Calendar that they were like making out.
0: Ooh, stab! That's what I
1: thought because I don't remember this episode. So I was like, "Why does he look so suspicious?" Okay, no,
0: I thought he looked really like disoriented. (laughs) Like he's just like, "What?" Well, first, since he didn't know it was Buffy and Willow and Xander, he was probably like, "There are students in the library. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nobody comes to the library." but no, I thought he looked Okay, well, I
1: mean, there's there's two different perspectives. Listeners, let us know what one you <laughs> side with. I was obviously hoping that he was making out with her back there. Anyway, uh, he says, if you want to find out more about spiders, go ask Wendell. Go ask Wendell. So Wendell's in the quad, and he says that this has happened before, lots of times. And he says he loves spiders, but they hate Him, ooh. And it's around that time where Cordelia walks by and she says, you know, I hope you guys studied for the history test that's coming up in the next period. And this history test is news to Buffy, who panics and takes off because she has to go get ready for this mysterious history test. That's when Wendell tells Willow and Xander that he used to have a big collection of spiders when he was younger, but his brother left the heat lamp on when he went to camp one week and it killed them all. And that's when the nightmare started, where he's sitting in class, he opens his book, and there they are. And he says, can you blame them? Like, because they're mad they hate him because they died. And I was like, Wendell, I Mm -hmm. can blame them because you didn't kill them. Your brother did. (laughs) So they should be attacking him, not you. By the way, the point is of this conversation is showing that, like, he's dreamt this before. And it came to life Mm -hmm. yesterday. So Cordy is at the door of the history class calling out Buffy for not knowing where the classroom is first of all and then also for always skipping and never being in class Buffy confirms that she hasn't done any of the readings or assignments for this class doesn't even know about it well
0: we know this from previous episodes (laughs) because you know she's supposed to be studying her history with Willow but they were talking about boys instead and Darla was supposed to help her study her history, and apparently would rather fight her as a yeah. vampire. You know, poor Buffy just can't get any studying done for history. We knew, we knew we're this aware. already.
1: But that's the thing. So, is this really her class, though? Is this a nightmare where she doesn't actually? Oh have no, this we class? you
0: you can't you cannot start asking me this question, Steph. Because <laughs> if we start if we start asking, is this really happening in this episode? A, we're gonna be here for five <laughs> hours, and B. I don't think we have an answer for that. I think in order for this episode not to break yeah. your brain, you just have to lean yeah. into it and you just have to accept that this is simultaneously real and not real.
1: Okay, that's fair because I really wanted to be like, wait, is it a class at all? Is Cordelia even there? Like, I think there's a lot of questions around that. I just going to add that this is actually a recurring dream of mine like it's a stressful it is a nightmare I suppose like I would just call it a stressful dream but I a couple times a year at least I have a nightmare that I have an exam for a class that I missed the entire semester for simply because I didn't know I had it
0: I had I had a dream just last night that I was supposed to be teaching a class that I had not prepared for at all (laughs) so similar but from the teacher's point of view
1: are we are we in a nightmare reality (laughs)
0: Are, are, are you here yeah. right now, Steph, or are you just part of a dream? <laughs> I don't
1: know what's real anymore. So so anyway, during the test, uh, the questions are really long and hard. Time is going by very quickly. Her pencil breaks. Uh, She she doesn't get to fill out anything by the time class ends. Everybody's leaving, handing in their tests, and Buffy obviously didn't fill out anything.
0: Also, Buffy's history teacher, like when they cut to him, he looks like he's from the history <laughs> books. Like he's he looks like something from the seventies with his glasses and his mustache. Yeah,
1: and... yeah, and I do feel like, uh, um, like I mean, we don't really know for sure what classes she's been in in the past, but it seems like every class, every history class that Buffy's in, it's a different teacher. <laughs> so the little boy is standing at the door again, uh, just as Buffy finished her test, and as he's walking down the hall, we follow the boy, and he sees a girl who's going into the school's basement to smoke
0: so why is the door to the basement unlocked
1: yes that is the first question for sure it's like uh anyone can just go down there i i know for a fact that any like secret room at my high school was locked and you needed a special key that all the teachers had
0: well and there's this new principal on the block named principal snyder and he seems to be really big into order you think he would know if there's unlocked access doors to the basement that kids were using to sneak a smoke? Like, well, he'd crack down on that really quickly.
1: Okay, so this, this girl who's going into the basement, as she goes down, the little boy says, you shouldn't go in there. And we all know that. Like, A, like, you're right. Like, why is this door open? B, why is this girl whose name is Laura, we know later, um, why is Laura going into the basement to smoke? Don't you have a beautiful quad? with beautiful weather that you can just go outside and have a smoke if you need it? Like, why do you have to do it inside uh, in the basement?
0: Yeah, I mean, part of it's probably she's ashamed of it, right? Like, this seems to be a secret behavior.
1: I guess so, yeah. Um,
0: It's it's interesting because I feel like even though it was more acceptable back then to be smoking in public in general, because you'd have, like, the smoking, non-smoking areas of restaurants, it was much less acceptable for teenagers to smoke. Whereas nowadays smoking in general is less acceptable in public but you know i feel like at hi- at the high school level obviously nobody likes it but you know teenagers at our high schools here they just go off school property because you can't smoke on school property but they're just openly smoking on the sidewalk <laughs> like so i agree with you like it feels a little bit off and yeah. weird to us but i don't know how much of that is the time i don't know how much of that is us just supposed to be getting the sense that laura is just a secret smoker right right? like amy from brooklyn (laughs) 99 um
1: just the look of her she doesn't look like a student that would typically be a smoker and that's me putting stereotypes yeah so
0: maybe this isn't something yeah maybe this isn't something she wants other people to know about her yeah
1: that's a really good point uh my last point about this situation is we're going into sunnydale high's basement And we've never been to the basement before. And I can only assume that the basement is the second worst place in the school next to the locker room. Like, you know, like the only bad things can come (laughs) of coming into the basement. So she goes down there. She lights her cigarette or dart, as people in our hometown call it. And um, there's a freaky looking demon with like a huge demon with a crazy face. He comes out of nowhere and he's got like claw hands or something. And he, he says
0: no he has like a club hand like his hand is literally a wooden (laughs) club i thought
1: it was a lobster claw or something um he says lucky 19 and and attacks her and he attacks her and as it the camera pans away we see an an anti-smoking poster (laughs) and okay this is awful that she got attacked i hate that that's oh my gosh poor laura but also uh i have to ask was the pan on that anti-smoking poster like you just said like like something that was happening in the greater realm of the 90s where like anti-smoking was a thing and they're making a point that like if you smoke a cigarette something bad's gonna happen no
0: i I think i think this was just the show trying to be funny and ironic
1: okay fair enough i was looking deeper than it had to be (laughs) (laughs) at the hospital Buffy and giles are visiting this girl laura And Giles has flowers, which is very cute. This is one of those situations where Buffy says she knows Laura, even though we've never seen her talk to Laura before on the show. But, you know, sometimes Buffy seems chummy with other students when...
0: Well, Sunnydale High, I think we got the impression from the previous episode with, you know, they're like, yeah, Emily was killed. And they're like, oh, (laughs) Emily, right? Like the one Emily at the school. I think Sunnydale High is a pretty small high school, right? Like it, it may be comparable with the size of one of our high schools in Thunder Bay. So I I think it's entirely likely that, you know, maybe you don't like know every single person by name, but you probably know a fair percentage of the student body by name because you just mix with each other in different mm-hmm. classes so yeah i i don't think buffy and laura are like super chummy but she probably has bumped into laura from time to time and
1: i don't want to think about sunnydale high being as small as the high schools that you and i grew up with because that means half the student population <laughs> will be dead by the time they graduate just based on the number of students dying to this point you know <laughs> And Emily didn't just die. Her heart was ripped out <laughs> in the locker room.
0: Well, cutouts.
1: So anyway, anyway, Laura is happy to see them because she doesn't want to be left alone. Obviously, she's scarred for life after getting attacked. She tells them she's never seen anything like it. And she's really too afraid or in shock to describe more. And when the nurse comes to tell them to leave she does say that the demon that the man said lucky 19 right before he attacked her so they Mm -hmm. have that information so in the hallway giles is (laughs) giles is asking a doctor about laura's condition and the doctor quickly asks are you family and they're both like we're friends and he just tells them everything which is (laughs) i know like
0: privacy violation
1: (laughs) he's like well that's good enough they could have been like no we don't know her he'd been like well here's the situation (laughs) I'm going to just, like, exposition dump on you right here. So we know that she has shattered bones and internal bleeding, and we know this because the doctor willingly told Giles and Buddy this. And then he also tells him about another victim of this alleged attacker who has been in a coma for a week. And they look through a window at a a person in a bed, and sure enough, there's a coma person in there.
0: This is the most helpful doctor ever. Like, he's just... It's it's like he senses that they are detectives, yeah. right? And he's like, I'm going to be helpful. Like, he volunteers this information. They weren't asking, like, who's that boy or did anybody else attack her, uh, attack somebody like this. He's just like, well, <laughs> if you're interested in this person, maybe you'll be interested in this <laughs> other patient of mine.
1: He's like, this is, like, fascinating to him. Like, he's trying to put the clues together as well. So they're a nice little trio we got forming here. <laughs> um, so anyway... Back at the school, uh, Danny Zuko and the T-Birds from Greece are all talking about how tough they all are at the lockers, and I say that because anyone who watched this episode, you'll you'll see like these guys are from the '50s or something. Like they they're wearing leather jackets and they have the greased back hair, and he's like the one guy is just like oh like I'm gonna beat that guy up if he comes after me like oh, tough guy stuff, and then Willow and Xander are basically. Nearby, and they're wondering if Laura dreamed what that she was being beat up, and something that they have to ask Buffy later. And at the same time, you know, the leader Danny Zuko, his mother comes and starts babying him, kissing him, telling telling him she loves him, embarrassing him in front of his friends. What a nightmare for this guy, right?
0: Oh. having your mom show up at high school yeah every boy's worst nightmare you know just but
1: is it like i was trying to think about this i was like yeah like for sure my parents embarrassed me when i was a teenager but would it be my worst nightmare
0: yeah but you weren't a cool greaser
1: (laughs) yeah that's true
0: also (laughs) in this scene i looked at willow's locker door because you had mentioned yes. before that you thought she's had a picture yeah, of yeah, giles yeah. and i think you're right i think that is a picture of giles oh but i can't tell if it's a picture of them standing together or something like the resolution wasn't good right. enough for me to, to tell but uh,
1: we because we you and i we bunch up our episodes when we're recording sometimes so i haven't actually gone back to look to see if it was the case but i will and then if i see it in i robot you jane i will post it on instagram If I see that alleged (sighs) Giles photo, but I'm glad that you just confirmed. So (laughs) anyway, Xander is expressing how all of this might not be a connection to the dreams. You know, he's just basically being like, I don't know if I think that's kind of like our theory is not really holding up here. And as he and Willow enter the classroom, we see the students gasp and some are like horrified, some are amused. And Willow turns around confused and we see that Xander is in his underwear in front of the class And I will say, and it does pain me to say it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you.
1: I will say Xander is a lot bulkier than I thought he would be. I, I, I... i checked him out i was
0: gonna ask you now that we've seen xander shirtless like we saw angel in a previous episode how does he stack up okay
1: well this is the interesting thing i mean to each their own and like you said before xander and and angel you know two white guys (laughs) pasty white guys but xander is bulky like he's he has a toned body which i was not i was I, i was expecting him to be skinny I was expecting him to be, like, nerdy and skinny. So, obviously, uh, Nicholas Brandon is pulling off his character really well because I expected him to be as lame as he is in his character. But, no, Xander has a nice body. He does. He does. And that's the last time I'll ever say anything about Xander's appearance. Uh, And Xander tries to pitch himself to wake up and he doesn't work. So, he screams and he runs out and everyone laughs. And that's actually a really good comedic scene for, for him. In the mm-hmm. library, Giles is trying to do research, but he's having some issues. And the issue is that he can't read. And Buffy is there and she says, what? You can read three languages. And he's like, well, actually five. But right now the words are all gibberish. <laughs> so we know that Giles's nightmare is that he can't read anymore, that he no longer has his ability. Sure, that's
0: one of my nightmares. Is it? Not like <laughs> really. I don't really remember most of my dreams, but th- that could be a nightmare of mine.
1: True. Buffy is looking at one of the newspapers that Giles has, and there is a 12-year-old boy on the cover, on the front page, in a Little League outfit named Billy. And he is the kid that Buffy keeps seeing around school. And they see that he's in a coma in the intensive care unit, which is the body that the doctor so nicely pointed out to them. (laughs) And he was beaten up after his last baseball game the week before. Giles says that this could be a case of astral projection. And this is when my ears perked up because I think astral projection is really cool. And I really love that idea. And Buffy calls it asteroid body, <laughs> with made me and he laugh. But uh, yeah, maybe this kid is, you know, asleep in one area but can move like his essence around elsewhere in a different reality, which is kind of what's going on here. Giles says he doesn't know, but we do know that on his uniform, it said 19. So, ooh, ooh, ooh. Connection. The plot yeah, the plot thickens. The doctor probably already figured all that out. So just then, a man walks into the library and Cara, I have to say, I was shook because I do not remember ever meeting Buffy's dad. <laughs> I did not know this happened. I was shook. (laughs) So this is Buffy's dad.
0: I'm not surprised. I think this is the only episode we meet Buffy's dad. Um, He's obviously referenced more times throughout the series, but I agree with you. I think this is the only time, and a listener could correct me if if I'm misremembering, but I think this is the only time we see him. So you'd be forgiven, especially for not knowing season one that well, for thinking that we never meet him because he's always referenced off off screen. Um, Yeah, so this this does feel surprising. And also in this scene, we learn that Buffy's dad's name is (laughs) Hank. And as far as we're concerned, I'm pretty sure we still haven't learned Buffy's mom's name in the series yet. And it just strikes me as so incredibly messed up that we learned Buffy's dad's name before we learned Buffy's mom's name. yeah. (laughs)
1: I didn't even think about that. You're so right. I have it written right here in my notes. Hank Summers. And we are on episode 10 and we don't know Buffy's mom's name. We've been calling her Buffy's mom for weeks. It's so sad. Oh, that's funny. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, yeah, a wild Hank appears and we are shook because this is Buffy's dad. And uh, he says he wants to speak to Buffy privately, but she also quickly introduces him to, to Giles. And it, it is kind of interesting to see Giles and him meet. Like, that's what I was so shook about. I was like, but Giles is Buffy's dad. So, like, like <laughs> so what is Hank doing here, you know?
0: <laughs> but Giles is dad, not Hank. Giles' but dad. What is happening? Steph Ray does not compute.
1: I'm sure I'm short-circuiting watching this scene. Um, but, you know, then Buffy's dad leads her outside, sits her on a bench, and um, he said he came early because he wanted to tell her, why him and his mom split up and this at this scene is a is a doozy it's a big one so see she said i thought that you guys grew apart and he says the truth is it was you having you raising you seeing you every day and he's like, you don't you don't see what's right in front of your face. Well, that's a big surprise because you only think about yourself.
0: You sure turned out differently from how I thought you oh, would. Like,
1: like you embarrass us with your crazy stunts.
0: It's rough
1: yeah she's like no more please dad i i'm 16 years old and you are literally breaking me right now and he he he's like you know you're sullen and you're rude and you're not as bright as i thought you would be oh my god like could you stand to live in the same house with a daughter like you and yeah oh and he that so Bobby cries sarah michelle geller is amazing in this scene and she's she's heartbroken and all her fears being laid out by her father right now and her father says i don't think it's mature to be blubbering when i'm just being honest you know uh he doesn't get anything out of these weekends with her so he's not gonna come anymore you fucking dick <laughs> and <laughs> like this hurt ouch like this is hurting me watching this and He's, he basically says, I thought you'd turn out differently, and he, he leaves. He leaves her on the bench crying, and as he leaves, we see that little boy, Billy, uh, watching. So this is sending me straight to therapy because it's just so rough, and I feel so bad for Buffy – this this idea of divorce and these characters going through divorce and Buffy being the child of divorce—it's a very real thing. It's it's like slay all the vampires you want, Buffy. You know, kill all the praying mantises and the and the hyena packs that you want. But this is real life stuff that the show mm-hmm. is bringing forward. And I know that you, Kara, that your parents got a divorce. Is this something that you or somebody going through this might be fearing? That, like, the reason that their parents are divorcing is because of you.
0: Well, I, I mean, I think that's almost a cliche uh, of, you know, oh, parents blame them, kids blame themselves for their parents splitting up. Like, I, I think that's it's dealt with in lots of TV and movies and it's dealt with in a lot of therapy sessions <laughs> because I think, yeah, I think it's pretty common for kids to blame themselves because, especially when you're younger, you don't have the capacity to really understand why your parents are separating and as a kid you think the world is all about you so of course this thing happening that's bad is because you were bad I think it's a very natural thing for kids to think Um, I will say my parents separated when I was close in age to Buffy actually I think I was just maybe maybe 17 instead of 16 I was pretty close in age to her and I didn't blame myself because I the, the reasons why my parents separated were pretty clear-cut and did not have anything to do with me but I totally see why somebody would blame themselves or you know in in Buffy's case I don't think she really blames herself like even with that conversation from the beginning of the episode and she's kind of talking about her slaying not helping I don't think she really believes that she's to blame I think that's just her venting that anxiety on willow um more so about being the slayer than anything and maybe how that's affecting her relationship with her parents especially her mother but what we see in this particular scene where her dad is basically (laughs) spewing this bile at her that that is a nightmare that is you know Hopefully, no reasonable parent would say that. I'm sure there are some children who got that from their parents, and that was abusive. And I'm sorry, but you know this is Buffy's mind or the the psychic connection or whatever is going on here, dredging up her worst fear, which is her parent telling her that she's not good enough, and it, it's it's coming to the forefront. And it but because this is a nightmare, right? It's turned up to eleven. So I I think this is Buffy's fear being amplified by whatever's going on here.
1: Yeah. Her father brings up, you know, you're not bright enough. I thought you'd be smarter. In the very first episode, we know that she got expelled Mm -hmm. from her previous school and she sought out Willow to help make sure she Mm -hmm. didn't fall behind.
0: Yeah. We talked about this a bit in the Angel episode, this idea that Willow is the book smart person and Buffy's not book smart, but she's a little street smart. Mm Mm-hmm um but yeah i see where you're going with this because that is another fear of buffy's and this comes up again throughout the series (laughs) like again this is why this episode is so good is because we're getting such an interesting look at these characters psychologies and for buffy her overriding psychology is this constant fear that she's not good enough right she's not a good enough daughter she's not a good enough slayer she's not smart enough um, the whole thing about being not smart enough really comes back as she gets older and as she's aging and becoming more of an adult and expected to take on adult responsibilities, she really struggles. And I think she she blames herself quite a bit for not being capable, um, you know, and it's always about that balance of her slayer responsibilities with... Learning how to exist in the normal adult world. So, as early as this episode here in the first season, we are seeing those anxieties come to the surface.
1: This episode's actually so good <laughs> because just mm-hmm. think about it like two nightmares we've seen of Buffy's now. No, three. The first one, the master, and then her mm-hmm. failing that class, and now her father. So, I love what you said just now about her psychology of why she's worried about failing school but for sure how she feels about her sling and how that's impacted her relationship with her parents so we're in the library xander's wearing gym clothes because obviously he lost his clothes in the previous scene and they are talking about what happened to him and willow recounts that everybody was staring at him it must have been awful because attention is the worst careful willow careful with what you reveal (laughs) like don't the nightmares are listening to you so be careful that's when, of course, Xander says it was a total nightmare, and then they realize the connection, and Giles had dreamt that he was lost in the stacks, and then that's when they all realize that, you know what, their nightmares are coming true, and it all comes down to Billy, this kid in a coma, and Giles says that because Billy is crossing over from a nightmare world, he's bringing that nightmare world into reality, and that's because they're on a hell mouth, <laughs> and that's just like, it's easy to do that.
0: Right. <laughs> I do want to make sure we give Willow credit here. Like, Willow is the the one who really puts it together. Mm -hmm. So, go, Willow. Yes. And then, but then she also makes this lovely comment about how, like, the the phenomenon is making their like dreams come true, not their nightmares. And Giles retorts with, "Well, that would be a not our dreams." He's like, "That would be a musical comedy version of this." Oh, would it? And yeah, and I feel like that's unintentional foreshadowing yep. to 4 years from now. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. stay tuned.
1: <laughs> I can't wait till we talk about it 4 years from now. <laughs> so, cut to Cordelia. she's looking this is my favorite she's looking in the mirror in her locker and her hair is not her typical beautiful locks it's like all frizzy and wig. it's clearly a wig <laughs> it actually kind of looks like patty oh it's
0: a terrible yeah, wig it's terrible. but yes like this is her hair has like been frizzed yeah like it's not just even a rat's nest no. it's like you have ha- like somebody has done that to you <laughs>
1: and she is that's her worst nightmare she's freaking out because of her hair
0: well and i love how she like takes the comb and like tries to run it through her hair and it breaks but it's like the audacity cordelia that you think a comb is gonna fix this yes
1: so funny so so cordelia is having a horrible time but we're gonna cut back to buffy who is walking across campus feeling rejected because she just was by her father her nightmare father i hope and uh She sees Billy, and he's walking around too, and he enters what I thought, and my heart stopped. I thought he was going into the locker room. (laughs) But close enough, he was going into the gym. So she follows him in, and Buffy asks if something bad happened to him after his game. And he says, the ugly man calls him Lucky 19. He wants to kill him and he hurt that girl. So as Buffy starts to question him more, Billy shouts, he's here. And sure enough, the ugly, big, ugly demon is there behind Buffy. He sucker punches her. He he basically attacks her and then they start fighting, but he's so big and strong that Buffy can't win this fight. Or she's like, he's very, he's also very angry. Like he's actually quite a scary villain.
0: Mm-hmm. Buffy
1: decides to run instead so she runs after billy out the door and her leg is wounded so she's kind of limping and this is when giles willow and xander um they're like we need to find buffy so they leave the library and they're like we need to split up we'll find her faster and willow rightly points out that we might find her faster but is it safer to split up so willow is walking down the hall looking for buffy (laughs) again we see cordelia and this time she's in full nerd outfit and her hair is just that frizzy mess and these two other (laughs) nerds are basically dragging her into a chess club meeting (laughs) and she is losing her shit about it she's like no i don't belong here not me
0: it's so fascinating (laughs) that this is cordelia's nightmare
1: yeah like Like Xander was naked in front of class. Buffy's literally having a mental breakdown with her nightmares. And Cordelia's worried about being in the chess club. And
0: being uncool, being being unpopular.
1: And I also want to point out here, this is what I realized watching this episode. I was like, Cordelia is the comic relief of season one.
0: Absolutely. You'd think it would be She's incredibly underutilized as well, right? Like she's in the main credits, but we don't really see much of her in these episodes no
1: but when you see her she's providing some a a brief Mm -hmm. moment of laughter where you'd think you'd be getting it from xander but we all are annoyed and hate xander right now so willow watches this happen in amusement but then she hears someone call her from the basement (laughs) and uh just keep walking willow walk on you know that nightmares are happening why go but she goes obviously i think she thinks it's buffy and she goes down there she's like i'm not afraid and then, of course, someone grabs her by the shoulder and she screams. Xander is walking into a hallway, which looks abandoned, under construction, mm-hmm.
0: like a zombie
1: land apocalypse kind of situation. <laughs> and there's Nazi signs all over the walls. And he finds an open chocolate bar on the ground. And he's like, wow, and he starts eating it. <laughs> and then he finds another. And he's like, this is my lucky day. And like he, he like follows this chocolate, chocolate bar oh,
0: Xander.
1: road. And so, at
0: this point, it seems like the dream world is really taking over the real world here, like it's not even like the before the dreams were very subtle, mm. and so you could kind of think, okay, there's just a little bit of dream in the real world, yeah, and now it's like we're like now the characters are entering a dream world,
1: yeah, uh things are escalating very quickly, and Buffy and Billy are lost. And they're looking for the library, which you think Buffy would be able to find, but she can't find it. And uh, Billy sees boys playing baseball. (laughs) Say that three times fast. (laughs) Billy sees boys playing baseball and says, when you lose, it's bad. Um, (laughs) And clearly he lost the game the week before, and that was his fault. And Buffy points out, you know, there are eight other players on the team. Why is it your fault? Then she asks Billy if this man hurt him after the game and billy just says let's go find your friends and i thought it was something neat here cuz you know how like like they're lost right buffy's looking for the library and they can't find it and i just thought it was kind of cute <laughs> it's cute it's just a cute thing that buffy's nightmare is that she can't find the library and that's mm-hmm. because you know it's been 10 episodes now and the library is now symbolizing comfort and stability and home for her it's
0: the heart of the show yes it's their secret base
1: yeah yeah it's where her friends are it's where the people she relies on that she's come to love yeah. are and she can't find them and that's really sad mm-hmm. so this is when we see the ugly man who's across the street taking down some other student and uh buffy there's a there's a bush wall beside them buffy shoves billy through it and jumps in after him and on the other side it's a cemetery at night at night Ooh. so <sighs> We, we cut to Willow and it um, the man who grabbed her is a, a stagehand or a costume designer or something and he's pushing her into a dressing room and she's dressed as Chocho-san from Madama Butterfly and which is a, a, an opera and mm-hmm. when I first saw this I was like mm, is she culturally appropriating this Japanese woman like it's I know it's a character in an opera but I wasn't digging how Willow is dressed in this costume but i'm gonna let it slide so the man that's helping willow with her costume is saying there's an ugly crowd all the reviewers showed up and we already know that willow said earlier in the episode that all the attention on her is a nightmare to her and we know this Mm -hmm. also from the previous episode in puppet show when they did their dramatic reading and she froze on stage and ran off so we already know that willow Mm -hmm. hates being the center of attention on stage And Willow is introduced as the world's finest soprano, and they shove her on stage, and there's another singer on there, and when it's her turn to sing, she freezes. And the only sound that comes out of her mouth is a squeak. So, cut back to Xander in this zombie apocalypse hallway, and he keeps finding more and more chocolate bars, and he keeps eating them. And he finds a chocolate bar that says chocolate hurricane, and he's like, wow, I haven't had one of these since my sixth birthday! And then you start to hear laughter behind him. And he was like, where that giant clown was. And then, sure enough, there is a clown with a knife that comes out and attacks him.
0: Yeah. This episode is not good for anybody who's afraid of spiders or clowns. Like- <laughs> yeah. Just uh, there's a huge, huge bunch of phobias in this episode.
1: Yeah, and I will say because of the Nazi symbolism on the on the walls, and I think Xander had mentioned I didn't it even catch that. No, there there was Xander had mentioned Nazis before in the episode. Uh, I truly believed mm-hmm. a Nazi was about to come out, <laughs>
0: hmm.
1: but it was a clown. So we're in the cemetery, and Buffy and Billy are looking down at an empty coffin in the ground, and that's when the Master appears. Buffy's like in shock that she sees the master and she's like, you can't be free. And he says that he's free because Buffy fears it, which is so interesting. Mm-hmm. And the world is crumbling and nightmares are made flesh thanks to Billy. And Buffy says it's all a dream. And then he, the master quotes Cinderella and says a dream is a wish your heart makes. And he grabs her by the neck and throws her into the coffin. And then he starts to bury her alive
0: yeah it's so interesting it's like he doesn't bite her he doesn't feed from her he's just like i'm just gonna bury you that seems like an unsatisfying thing for the master to do you think you'd want to like kill and like eat from the slayer Mm -hmm. but okay
1: okay i mean to each their own Willow goes back into the hallway and she meets up with Xander who says, remember my 6th birthday party and she's like, "Oh yeah, when you got chased by that clown or something." And um she thinks it's a funny memory but then she's like, "Oh god." And then they realize that the clown is there and the clown starts chasing them and Giles meets up with them in the hallway too. And as they're running, all of a sudden Xander just like changes his tune and he just stops running, turns around and punches the clown in the face. And he kind of tells the clown off. He's like, you were a lousy clown. Your balloon animals were pathetic. And anyone can make a giraffe. So I want to know what you think about this. Because, like, the whole point of this is conquering your fear. The master said that at the beginning of the episode, right? Xander actually did that. It happened very quickly. All of a sudden, he's like, nah. And then punches the clown. But why would they give this arc to Xander? Because, in my opinion, I was, I, I was expecting not remembering this episode at all i was expecting all of them to face their fears in some way
0: yeah i think this is misused i think it's weird that xander faces his fear so clearly and the others don't like willow just kind of runs away from her fear i would say buffy faces her fear later on once we get there um but yeah it's misused um i will say though i don't think it's surprising that Xander is the one who does it and that he does it this way, this is entirely consistent with Xander's character. We saw it earlier in that in the episode, as you pointed out, when he's just joking around, hey, this is no big deal, whatever it is, Buffy's going to slay it. That's how Xander deals with stress. Xander makes jokes. Xander makes light of things. So he's facing his fear, you know, by making a joke about this clown. He's like, you're not even a good clown. Anybody can make a draft. He's laughing it off. This is classic Xander dare I say 10 episodes into the series like Xander is all about facing your fear but not really facing it just turning it into a joke Mm -hmm. which I think will backfire on him in the years to come because I feel like he has a lot of unprocessed trauma that he's gonna have to deal with I mean every character in this show is is gonna need therapy within a year from now but (laughs) yeah yeah, this is this is an early indication that Xander's way of dealing with fear and stress is to push it to the side. I don't really think he's confronting his fear here very effectively, even though it seems like that to us.
1: Okay. Okay, yeah. I, ju- I just wondered. I was like, why Xander and no one else, really, you know? Uh, but yeah, that makes sense. The three of them head outside and they all agree that things are getting worse and worse. And in a few hours, their reality will fall into the realm of nightmares. So they need to go and try and wake up Billy. And they also need to find Buffy. That's when Willow notices the cemetery that's across the street from them she's like when did that get there and um it's kind of cool actually i know it's like a little bit old school Uh green screen but it is interesting just to see like it's daytime it's a middle Uh of the street but right in the middle of there is like a wormhole to a dark cemetery it's kind of (laughs) cool
0: uh
1: so the three enter the cemetery and xander asks whose nightmare this is and giles says it's his and that's because he sees a tombstone that has buffy's name on it and Giles' nightmare mm. is obviously that he failed in his duty to protect her and to, to be there for her. He says she was so gifted and the evil was just too great. And he's sorry and he's touching the dirt where Buffy is laying.
0: It's a really touching scene.
1: Yeah, it's really touching. And you're like, wow, Giles, you you care so much about her. like You really do.
0: Unlike her dad. Unlike
1: her Hank. <laughs> Unlike Hank, that <sighs> asshole. So Buffy's hand... Bursts out of the dirt and grabs Giles' arm, and vampire Buffy rises with her full-on vamp face. And this is wild. Uh she says she that she thought she was dead, and that's when she realizes that she's a vampire, and you can visibly see her start to panic. <laughs> like she's like, oh mm-hmm. my god, oh my god, her worst nightmare's coming true. Giles, Giles comforts her. Giles is like, I didn't know that this was. A nightmare of yours this is a fear of yours we can make it go Mm -hmm. away so he's like we just need to go wake up billy and then all reality will shift back into place so he's like please just hold it together long enough so that we can help you right like just like you know don't lose it just yet buffy hears him and she says she can do it she can hold on before like losing her shit but they gotta hurry because she's starting to get hungry love this slayer watcher dynamic love it like yes i agree their nightmares kind of coalign, right buffy is clearly worried about being turned into a vampire what her mm-hmm. what her slayer duties might lead to in the worst case scenario well
0: and it's again it's not being good enough in this case not being a good enough slayer yeah
1: yeah and and then giles coaligns with that where like her dying is his failure he's like i have a responsibility mm-hmm. for you Ugh, oh, it's it's nice it's a very nice situation we got going on here that's when willow as they're walking to the hospital willow says are you sure that things are gonna go back to normal if we wake billy up uh what if it doesn't go back to normal and giles basically tells willow to shut up <laughs> in a nice way but he's like do shut up you know
0: he's at the end of his rope now right yeah. like I think I would be too, even if I were a teacher with a student. It's like, you can only endure so much reality-shattering trauma before you're going to be a little bit snippy. Yeah,
1: it's true. And we do, in the series, we do rarely see Giles snap at Willow. He doesn't do it very often, but when he does, it's mm-hmm. usually, yeah, because he's at the end of his rope or has something to do with Buffy's safety or Buffy's security. I mean, Giles
0: gets progressively more crotchety throughout this series. So. Yeah,
1: but I don't blame him. <laughs> and, you know, we'll find out why, but like... Oh. yeah <laughs> at the hospital the nightmare realm has clearly spread across sunnydale and the doctors don't have it any better they go to billy's room and um giles starts shouting at him he's like wake up billy <laughs> and it's like giles i think you of all people should know since you've been in many comas in your life in the past few months that you can't just shout somebody awake that's when billy's astral projection
0: asteroid body <laughs>
1: that's when billy's asteroid body um, shows up and he says yelling at me won't work <laughs> he's like um he has to hide but the ugly because because the ugly man is coming and buffy takes off her jacket because she's like you know what i'm gonna fucking take this guy out and just really quickly willow looks out the window and there are hilarious digital
0: I know it's so random again I'm like
1: ants I don't know what they are bugs there why
0: did you spend your special effects budget on seriously
1: (sighs) there's giant bugs flying around and Willow's like we need to do something soon (laughs) because it's just wild um Buffy goes out to the hallway to the ugly man she says there are a lot of scary things than you and I'm one of them so (laughs) We know that now Buffy is Buffy, the vampire vampire slayer, and she's going to kick this Ooh. guy's ass. <laughs> so she growls and they start fighting and it's a pretty long fight. Like, it's pretty intense. Um, but in the end, she knocks him out against the wall in Billy's room. And that's when Buffy turns to Billy <laughs> so, and says, you need to do the rest. I personally don't know what she means. I thought she meant that he had to, like, murder him. <laughs>
0: oh my god stephanie no it's pretty obvious that he has to face his fear
1: yeah but like what is that were
0: you did you not watch the rest of this episode of
1: course i did but when she said it's it's up to you i was like what's he gonna do is he gonna kill him so (laughs) billy walks over and buffy's like no more hiding and billy basically just pulls off his mask (laughs) he just pulls off his mask it wasn't as deep as i thought it was gonna go and uh a light flashes and everything is back to normal and billy wakes up so he does the whole Dorothy thing from Wizard of Oz, like, you were there, I had a dream, and you were there, and you, and you, Auntie M. and that's when um, Billy's Kitty league coach shows up out of the blue, and he's like, hey, I visit every day, and, you know, checking up on Billy, he's my lucky 19, and they all know that this is the guy that's that beat him up, and Buffy says, you know, he's awake, and <laughs> Billy's like, you blamed me for losing the game. But it wasn't my fault, and there were eight other people on the on the team, and then him and Buffy, like, wink at each other, because they you know, Buffy fed him that line. And the guy tries to run, Xander and Giles grab him before he can get away, so that's the end of that. So we cut back to the school, and amazingly, Kara, <laughs> amazingly, they went back to school after this day. <laughs>
0: can't miss those classes i was
1: like you guys go home take a day take an afternoon <laughs> go to the bronze you know what i mean like do yeah. something else but they went back everything to is
0: back to normal yes. nobody was like hey like half an hour ago were you being chased by somebody else like were you being stomped on by a giant guy with a club hand were there wasps Did everywhere was it wasps? nighttime
1: over there but that's yeah so do do people even remember Do they remember? I don't
0: think they do. I think... So here's my theory. Yeah. My theory is Willow and Giles and Buffy and Xander remember because they've been around enough mystical stuff. You know, maybe Miss Calendar, wherever she is, maybe she remembers. I feel like people who were sensitive to psychic stuff might have a a sense of what happened, but most people in Sunnydale would think they were just daydreaming and have brushed it off right Right. like that's my that's my theory on what happened
1: (laughs) yeah i i will i'll buy into that theory that that's the one we'll go with because i was like what is going on you guys something really big happened and none of you care so willow does say that she's glad to see that coach behind bars and i was like how do you know that (laughs) <laughs> you think you just threw him in jail it's a
0: very 90s view of the justice system <laughs> this guy is a bad guy he's going behind bars he's definitely That's going it. to prison yeah no no, no no he's he's gonna get out yeah he's not doing any jail time no. he's gonna get like maybe a month of house arrest yeah. like... he's like a
1: rich white man you think anything bad's gonna happen to that guy um so not so fast willow all right buffy for some reason gives xander kudos for I being know. heroic for grabbing no him. don't give xander cookies I, I, i'm was like, i sorry xander did nothing like the like giles could have Hello, taken buffy, that guy. you just
0: you just beat him up in a dream <laughs> while you were a vampire like yeah xander ate candy and punched a clown yeah. I, you can't compare <laughs> these things
1: but whatever okay sure so that xander gets that um that's when buffy's dad shows up turns out you know obviously we know that was a nightmare that she had um she seems genuinely happy to see him and he didn't ditch her so big hug uh between hank and buffy <laughs> possibly the last mm-hmm. time we see hank i don't <laughs> it's remember it's a really
0: nice <laughs> scene um weird music playing during it yep. this is another one of those episodes where it's just like they're trying to be very like 90s teenage show yeah. it just does not work with this series
1: like they're like let's try it out again <laughs> Let's give it another shot. Um, They drive off. Willow asks Xander if Buffy the vampire was attractive to him. And he says, no, she was grotesque. But then we all know that he was. And he says, I'm sick and I need help. Willow says, don't I know it? Don't we all know it? The end. So who's your hero?
0: Um... I'll give it to Buffy. I I don't think there's really like a standout hero in this episode, but I think Buffy did her best in this episode in terms of like facing her fears, fighting her fears. You know, she turned into a vampire and she still like managed to save the day. So I'll give it to Buffy.
1: I also put Buffy, but maybe I'll change it up because you and I have been agreeing on these way too much lately. Uh, (laughs) Oh, how dare we? My hero will be those anti-smoking posters. (laughs) (laughs)
0: The true hero is the doctor who clearly has no compunction about <laughs> violating his patient's privacy.
1: Yeah, is the the chatty doctor or or perhaps the real villain of the episode is gingivitis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's find tooth decay, everybody. Oh dear. Okay. Okay. Um so Steph, you have some listener comments for us and uh before we get into those, of course, for a little while we've been trying to think of like what do we call our listener corner yes. right when people write in and we want to share what people have shared with us what are we going to call it so you've got some prospective names here <laughs> and we're going to introduce them and then you're going to do you're going to put up a little poll after this episode airs yes for people to vote or if people have a better idea write in and suggest it. Yeah. So what are our options here, Steph?
1: I've come up with four possible names for our listener corner. They're all fantastic. I don't know how people are going to choose between them. (laughs) One of them you've already (laughs) expressed your opinion on and it is hot stakes as in hot takes, but you know, stakes. And ooh, and this actually reminds me every time I write steak like buffy has a steak in her hand um in my notes i always write steak like s-t-e-a-k like <laughs> i can't help myself it's just how i see it this one is hot steaks okay that's the first one second one and i quite like this one and this one actually was donated from my friend dana only fangs instead of only fans
0: <laughs> i think it's clever thank you dana
1: <laughs> um i thought up this one and this is okay this isn't a spoiler but this is a term that will be used in a later season and the word is gentleman's box (laughs) and when you open up the gentleman's box voices come out of it so just a tiny spoiler there but I thought it was cool because you know at the end of the episode we'll open up the gentleman's box and we'll hear from the voices of our listeners right (laughs) you can see where I was going with that and then the last one is very, very typical, but I like it a lot. It's just listeners' council or watchers' council, because that's also a, mm-hmm. a Buffy term. So we're going to put these four options up on Instagram. Please vote. Let us know which ones you like the best. Or if you have your own, like Caro said, send them our way. And uh, we can make a decision. But hopefully by season two, we'll have a name. Chosen for this very important element of this podcast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so getting to our to our only fang segment, <laughs> um, we did have some people write in this week while we're promoting our other earlier episodes. The first one comes from another Buffy podcast called Becoming Buffy Podcast. And this one is from Sarah, who's one of the hosts of that podcast. And I was saying on Instagram that we will be recording Nightmares this week. So if anyone has an opinion, let me know. And she reached out uh, and said that Nightmares is her personal favorite episode of season one. You won't have episodes later in the season without this episode coming first this episode establishes the characters basic fears and desires for the rest of the series and foreshadows a ton did you guys know that when willow's on stage her duet partner is singing to her in italian and it translates to child behind whose eyes the witchery is shining and that's a little bit of foreshadowing for later in the series of course. And I was like, Sarah, I did yeah. not know that. <laughs> it's so interesting. <laughs> you know who would know that? Moloch, <laughs> the corruptor who uh, originated in Italy. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, thank you so much for letting us know. You know, it, like I said, I had not watched this episode maybe ever, because it feels so new to me. Um, but I didn't remember anything about it. So when Sarah told me this, I went into the episode with a whole new mindset because I thought this was going to be another write-off. I thought this was going to be another pack, you know?
0: No, 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 no. It's it's a weird yeah. episode. So let's talk about this for a moment. It, it's a weird episode. Dream episodes are always tough. They're tough to write. They're tough to shoot. They're tough to act. They give the writers incredible freedom, and sometimes the writers abuse that. But at the end of the day... This episode, as we discussed throughout our recap, it really digs deep into the psychology of our characters in a way that some of these episodes, like Teacher's Pet mm. and Pack, don't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tempting to write off this episode because it has this chaotic plot to it, but I, I think you'd have to work really, really hard not to notice the more serious elements like Buffy's fears about her parents and their, their divorce... And her fears about becoming a vampire. Giles' fears about um, failing as a Watcher. And even the stuff we learn about Xander and Willow. Like, this is a serious episode. It carries a lot of Season 1's psychological Mm -hmm. baggage. So, yeah, I agree with what Sarah was saying there about it being very important thematically. Leading into... We have two more episodes to go for Season 1. And Season 1's finale is bananas in some way (laughs) like it takes a lot of risks at the end of season one because i think they really wanted to shake things up they really wanted the watchers to understand that this is going to be a series that defies your expectations as far as tv shows comes sometimes and i don't think they could do that without establishing as sarah said these fears and these relationships in nightmares yeah
1: Yeah. And it's a good thing that she when she sent this message to me, that's this is what got my brain going. I was like, really, this episode. So going in with that little bit of context and then watching the episode, you're like, holy shit, this episode is so underrated and so, so important before Mm -hmm. going into the rest of the season. So thank you, Sarah, for giving me the heads up, but also for your really interesting point and giving us a little more foreshadow into what is to come. That's always Mm -hmm. fun. And anyone who Mm -hmm. is interested in checking out Becoming Buffy podcast, uh, you can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. And then we have one more comment from someone who has been really active on Instagram. Her name is Chloe. Hi, Chloe. Thanks so much.
0: Hi, Chloe. Common room represent.
1: (laughs) She actually brought up a very interesting point. Do you remember, Cara, you and I in the pilot said how nice it was to see vampire face because, you know, interview with a vampire, True Blood, Vampire Diaries, they don't show Mm -hmm. vampire face. They just have them looking normal. Mm -hmm. Well, she brought up a really interesting point, and she said that I've always found it really awkward, and she's referring to vamp face, because disability and deformity as a marker of villainy is such a widespread and horrible trope. So if it were up to Chloe, Mm -hmm. she would not have the vampires change physically. She would just have them looking Mm -hmm. like their human selves instead of, you know, shedding light that if you don't look like a normal person, you're evil.
0: I think that's a really interesting point. And if they do ever finally get around to rebooting Buffy as a TV series, it'll be interesting to see, is that something they keep? Is that something they changed? Is there still like some type of vamp face? But yeah, Chloe, you're absolutely right. Deformity... You know, thinking about even just, like, very classic stories like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or, you know, Phantom of the Opera, um, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, it, it, it is this very awkward and very um, terrible thing where we are judging people based on what mm-hmm. they look like, um, especially when it comes to having, like, a visible disability. And not all disabilities are visible, so... Uh it's an interesting connection and thank you for bringing that to our attention.
1: I do I do think it's interesting too how the choice behind making their faces change because it isn't it's like more budget, right? It's more it's more makeup, it's it's a lot more work for the series so why did they make that choice? I wonder if they did that because as much as this show shows us these like weird twisted rape scenes Mm -hmm. and sexual harassment and all the stuff that you and i talk about when it comes to the murder part where buffy stakes a vampire perhaps it's just better visually on the wb for that vampire to not look like another Hmm. student
0: that's an interesting point yeah i didn't think of it that way my thought was and maybe this isn't why they did it but this is how the makeup is designed is the va- the vampires have a very predatory look to them you know with like the cat eye mm-hmm. lenses and the way that the the ridges form on their face and of course the teeth and stuff it's like this is supposed to be the signal that they are it's not just that they're humans and they suck your blood but they are predators they will hunt you down um so i think i think that's what the makeup is designed mm-hmm. to give off Right? maybe that's not why they did it but that's kind of the sense I get from watching yeah, that makeup yeah. Um, but yeah it, it's it, it's interesting that the show you know even just in terms of like this season we've seen quite a lot of ugly monsters mm-hmm. right um, it'll be interesting later on in the series I think the show does play with this idea of physical beauty not being congruent with being good or evil so it'll be interesting when we get to that point. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that was a really interesting uh, contribution, yes, Chloe. Chloe. Thank you. And I can see in the notes here, Chloe has a YouTuber that she wanted us to shout out. Um, so Jen V. Campbell on YouTube is a disabled YouTuber who has... Chloe says that she's learned a lot mm-hmm. from watching her. Um, so if anybody else is kind of interested in uh, getting more education on, you know, how disability is portrayed or maybe erased or ignored or misportrayed uh, in media in our culture and our society go check out that channel we'll put a link in the show notes Uh, and thank you for bringing that to our attention
1: yes thank you Chloe thanks so much keep keep uh, writing to us everybody keep letting us know what your thoughts are because we want this to be an open discussion at the end of these episodes
0: Mm -hmm. we got two more episodes of season one Ah! coming up So we're coming up on the end here, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next two episodes that brings Buffy's story, not to a close, but in terms of, like, the first season, it brings Buffy and the Master together for, like, their actual confrontation, right? This is where it's been heading. And what's going to happen with Colin?
1: (laughs) What about Colin? You know,
0: are he and the Master finally going to stop hanging out like this weird
1: situation Companion yeah thing. yeah um, I mean it's all it's all to come but yeah we got two more and then the end of the beginning comes so looking forward to it
0: <laughs> thanks for listening to prophecy girls If you've got some comments message us on our social media channels
1: follow us at prophecy girls podcast on Instagram and Facebook and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter
0: you can also reach out to our email at prophecy girls podcast at gmail.com Or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca.
1: We can't wait to hear from you. See you next week. Bye.